0: yeah I definitely want kids um I just I think there's a certain amount of life and learning and development that I can offer myself um before I need like divine intervention if that makes sense yeah and I just feel like I can only bring myself so far and then the kids will do the rest
1: wow that's deep that's really deep yeah Welcome to Mahan's blogcast, the weekly podcast where I interview artists and thought leaders about what's going on in their world, and get some useful tips and strategies for yourself, the listener. This week, I'm speaking with my sister, Shefira McCann, who I always have such fascinating conversations with. I figured it was worth at some point recording one. Shefira has gotten her BA in psychology is currently uh, working with children and is soon going on to do a master's in developmental play therapy. Yo, what's going on, For How's things?
0: Yeah, as good as they can be, I suppose.
1: Yeah, good and miserable as everybody else is at the moment. I feel like this week's been yeah. pretty bad.
0: Oh, it's been pretty heavy, yeah. I think everybody's feeling that like...
1: Yeah, it feels like such a kind of we're real in between stuff at the moment, and there's no yeah, no light at the end of the tunnel for it yet. But yeah,
0: um, I see. It's been mm-hmm. like that for a while, though. It's like no light at the end of the tunnel, and everybody's hopes just kind of run out. And we're all just like, oh, <laughs> yeah, we're
1: so just getting, getting slowly <laughs> more depressed and more addicted to the internet. And
0: yeah, I'm just more anxious and like angry. I don't even know what's going on. Yeah.
1: Just like- yeah, I've been finding that a lot, but I think it's just the sheer amount of screen time that I'm doing. Because you
0: think,
1: yeah, I find that with Instagram. I don't know what it is. I suspect it's something to do with your eyes because you're always flicking between all these different apps and it's stressing out your eyes. And it, I think it causes some sort of anxiety. I have literally no evidence for that, but. That seems really, to be. I don't know. what I'm thinking. I
0: think it's also the uh,
1: the crippling fear of the unknown.
0: I don't know the emotional reaction to the internet. Like it's it's a pretty intense experience. Kind of yeah. uh, like it, it's very up and down. Like in real life, your your emotions are pretty straightforward. Like <laughs> yeah, it's a lot more even, normal isn't stuff. It? You yeah, it's like so on much. i
1: just. Normal human interactions, it's such a difference between when I actually hang out with somebody versus all the time on your own, where you're just kind yeah. of in your own head, pretty much. I don't think it's actually yeah. good to be so removed from other people all of the time.
0: Definitely not. Like, and, and I feel like the internet perpetuates that because I feel like being on the internet translates to thought and like anxious thought too easily. It's just mm-hmm. the, the pace that it, it, it runs at and it just, yeah. I, I don't know. I always feel more anxious when I'm on the internet. Or like that's like a good point. The
1: pace of it is something that's really quite unnatural because you're, I'm always flicking like in between all different apps and stuff and you're getting like just this constant hit of dopamine all the time and searching for other ones. So I'd say that probably just the, yeah. the velocity of um, yeah. brain chemicals it's that are kinda, going on.
0: Kind of as well though it like takes me out of my own body if that makes any sense. Like yeah. I think my way out of being any way connected to my own body, and then I'm yeah. anxious because I'm like living somewhere else. If that makes any sense. Yeah.
1: Are you like, kind of like thinking about thinking? You're kind of in yeah, your own head. Run away. Couple of steps back.
0: Yeah, but it's it's a hard thing as well because you don't notice yourself kind of
1: slipping, making into those
0: it. steps, and then you just kind of realize okay what the fuck happened then you're two hours into overthinking and you're on some weird videos about aliens
1: and by then it's too late then it's just it's it's game over
0: you have to calm yourself down
1: you got to start walking back slowly towards your own body yeah Yeah. it makes it very abstract really like i think that's kind of a depersonalization when you're just in your head all the time and you kind of you almost forget you have a body you're on your phone the whole time you look down you're like oh legs interesting
0: yeah it's like oh my god I actually live in this meat bag like (laughs) you know it's it's the internet just makes everything feel hypothetical and then
1: it's all very yeah
0: looking at your phone and you're like oh shit like I'm actually just a big bag of meat
1: yeah you (laughs) you just float off on on a scroll somewhere It fucking sucks. But I suppose when you're working, you're working with kids at the moment. So there's probably a bit of life going on there. Is there a bit of crack whenever you're taking care of them?
0: Well, so I'm minding two little boys, right? One is four Mm -hmm. and one is seven. And I think it's possibly the most actual life I've had, maybe (laughs) my whole life. Because like, it's taught me how to do things I wouldn't have learned to do mm-hmm. for myself stuff. I wasn't like willing to learn to do for myself. Yeah. Does that make sense? Interesting. Like,
1: things to take care of yourself kind of that you have to do for them, but you wouldn't
0: do for yourself. Well, like life skills that I just wasn't motivated to do for myself. Yeah. Like, just you know time management and making the most of the time that you're doing because like mm-hmm. you're focusing on their development and their use of their time and you know it's all like don't be wasting your time don't sit there watching youtube videos or watching tv when you could be outside playing or like all of those things like there's a lot of emphasis on using your time properly because they're still developing and they're so young yeah. you have to that's manage so that funny problem. and you
1: have to manage it for them but at the same time we're yeah. probably struggling to manage it for ourselves
0: Exactly. And like it it led me to be able to manage those things for myself and not even just manage them, but value them. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like you lose that as you get older because you're just kind of overrun with all this instant gratification. Oh, fuck, I can do all this stuff if I want to. Do you know that sort of thing? And it's kind of a reward as well,
1: I think. If you like when you work and then you finish work and you're like, yeah, I can just do whatever I want now and it's you're off the hook.
0: Yeah. It's such a, it's such a warped mentality, but like, Mm -hmm. it's always like I'm big and bold enough to do this. With the kids, with
1: screens and stuff, like, I really don't know how kids these days, how that's going to affect them. Because like, obviously when we were growing up, I mean, I'm a little bit older than you by a few years, but we didn't even have screen. I mean, computers, like playing Age of Empires was probably a thing when I was a little bit older. You would have played video games, but smartphones are very different. They really designed to they're occupy as much different. time as possible
0: um, yeah they're a lot more intrusive yeah. for sure like um well the way they work it with the kids is just that they have a few days a week where they can have you know half an hour or an hour on yeah. their screens but their screens wouldn't be phones it would be like a switch like a nintendo switch or you know yeah. like a little Nintendo. They call it the Tiny Tendo, which is like this <laughs> little blue Nintendo where they play Mario Bros. Yeah, yeah. Um, well,
1: sure, I suppose that like, we would have had similar things in terms of
0: yeah, they're, they're, video games. Yeah, they're less harmless, but mm. funnily enough, and I don't know if this is more to do with men, or sorry, yep. boys, yep. but... The most anxious and hyped up, like emotionally worked up, I see them is before or after they're playing their oh
1: games. Oh my before God, that they get stop. Screened. I've never, so bad. I went back to playing video games very briefly because I was so bored during the lockdown that I tried to get yeah. myself addicted to video games again, just to kill <laughs> oh time. But I couldn't actually do it because I'm just, I, I can't care about it for long enough now. I'm just like, ah, I just, yeah. after an hour That's or something, good. but I, still I was like uh, I think it was in Resident Evil I was playing and I kept dying at the same level and just the <laughs> anger like I just wanted to throw the controller through the wall and just yeah. I remember that from when I was younger I'd like smash up the toy room and be so <laughs> angry like <and laughs> it, like if mom came in to stop me or something I'd be like
0: fuck off get oh out <laughs> that's literally stop. what they're like it's it does, so it winds scary. you
1: up so I think yeah because you have you're so involved in it. And then when it isn't going well, you're, it's like you're failing at something that's taking up all your attention.
0: That's what it feels like a real experience and it's a real failure. So you get all the negative emotion that comes from not winning, uh, you know, and you think it's really happening in your own life. And like, that's all well and good when you're a fully developed adult who can regulate the emotion that comes with that. Mm -hmm. But when you're a child, like a young boy, you can't regulate their yeah. emotion, who doesn't understand what's happening, and it feels real, like, so detrimental to their well, life. Well, I, re-
1: I mean, I was so you addicted know, to video games. You even spike as in emotion. <laughs> mm, yeah, certainly, and you get yeah. very no, frustrated. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was really big time, and then I just stopped playing it, and then once I stopped for a while, I couldn't get back into it. I mean, maybe if I got a PS4 or something, yeah. I could induce myself, but at this point... Probably not a great use of my time to become addicted to it again. Um, but with yeah, these, with I the feel young, like those oh sorry, the... go ahead. No,
0: I just I think when you get older and you have more awareness around your like emotions and stuff, mm-hmm. it probably doesn't do the same thing for you. Like getting that spike or that sort of um... yeah.
1: Well, for me, it's a lot of yeah. energy. It it is a lot of energy, and okay. it's all that goal directed energy that you use. Like video games are designed like life. I mean they mirror the same systems that we use for interacting with our environment, which is why they're so yeah. compelling, particularly for young guys that are very, you know, basically status seeking and want to kind of have some sense of achievement. But that's the problem yeah. is that it can hijack these systems and then you're getting all of your positive emotion from video games. So the reason why when I stop playing video games that I couldn't go back as much is because I get a lot of my positive emotion from goals in, that I'm doing in my life. When you kind of do that a lot, it's hard to switch between them because it does require a suspension of belief to be involved yeah. with video games a lot. And I think that
0: yeah.
1: in when it goes too far, I mean, if you're just playing video games for like eight, nine hours, which I would have done happily when I was younger, like I'd sit there yeah. all night, no problem and it can I mean, yeah. become an addiction any
0: young man would do that though that's yeah. like I mean and that's why it's so dangerous with kids like they just they, and you see it even when they get it in their heads that they're going to have it at some point that day yeah. they won't stop asking about it they're like more anxious they're more hyped up on edge like yeah. the, most of the emotional tantrums that they have are like outbursts is around games. screens yeah. yeah most of the time they're reasonable aside from yeah. that um and me and the the their mum actually have had conversations about it and and noticed it and she was just like i don't know what to do i hate them being on it but it's really convenient at the same time Mm -hmm. you know there's a very good book by
1: um a woman called jessica twain called IGEN, where she studies that phenomena basically of what's called the internet generation which is kids after uh 1995 and just yeah. the basic difficulties that kids are having in terms of, I've talked about it on some other podcasts, but it is a really good book to look at. Same with the coddling of the American mind. That's more about the effects of social media, but just on
0: and okay.
1: uh, normal face-to-face interactions being replaced with screen time about the yeah. developmental deficiencies that are occurring and even stuff like, I know you're going to, you're thinking about doing your master's in developmental play therapy. It's, yeah. it doesn't have the same, um, what would you say? It doesn't have the same qualities as rough and tumble play. It is the same way we're talking about like the internet versus real life. There's a, yeah. a qualitative difference between the two and there's loads of skills that you learn in real rough and tumble play and even just playing games with other kids. I mean, they learn to play equilibrated games to make rules to break rules to form almost miniature societies that yeah. is lacking in video games so I do yeah worry yeah for absolutely kids.
0: I mean they're not they're not designed for children's development they're designed to make customers mm-hmm. like so yeah you know it's, it's not really I mean if you can regulate it yeah. then by all means but I just I think It does come down to families, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it does, because we never had it. Like, I only really got on the internet when I was, what, about, like, 14, 13, 14 or something, and I had to, like, beg for that.
1: Yeah, and that would have been Bebo. I (laughs) wasn't even (laughs) on
0: Bebo. Like, I didn't even get on that. I was too young. Yeah. Would I, we Facebook wouldn't have spent <laughs>
1: yeah it wouldn't have been really any great length of time i would have played a lot of time or spent a lot of time playing video games for sure
0: yeah
1: um a lot of it
0: i didn't but it, really i never got into that i feel like it's more yeah. of a um a male
1: thing yeah for sure. yeah well that's i mean there's a lot of vulnerabilities in male psychology that are exploited by technology like that and also for say pornography like that's just yeah. Crippling for young men, really, and it's down to differences in our um, our biology that make us more vulnerable to it. That's going to be a huge problem yeah, for, for young sure. kids. Um,
0: yeah, no, I would uh, totally agree with
1: that. Yeah, that I that, do that think book. Like, uh, obviously, uh, mm-hmm, sorry, go ahead.
0: Sorry, go
1: ahead. Um, yeah, the book uh, "A Billion Wicked Thoughts" by two Google engineers is very goes into that in depth about yeah. the differences between male and female sexuality and why pornography is so destructive for young dudes
0: yeah um, no I think it's it's detrimental like to their sexual understanding and the, the real life like of their sexuality like I mean, it can become a kind of substitute girlfriend,
1: life. I think it's interesting that we're talking about video games and pornography in tandem because they both offer uh substitutions for reality I mean pornography is a poor substitute for real women and video games as a substitute for actual um adventures in life but also in what would you call them stories of your own that you're acting out in your life missions goals particular projects that you're working on really that get hijacked by the same um yeah by a digital version of it and the problem is it doesn't oh sorry go ahead
0: it's just a really easy way of engaging in these parts of your life without actually engaging in them do you know what i mean like a really safe way even though you get the same emotional or a similar emotional reaction to these things Mm -hmm. you actually aren't taking a risk by doing it
1: no no and it can be done so easily and so that's the thing i was i mean i've actually quit porn now i've have stopped doing it since the new year, um, but it's yeah. ridiculous because it's so accessible. I mean, any other kind of drug, you have to go and buy it or there's some obstacles in the way. The problem with pornography yeah. is it's in everybody's pocket. There's no, I mean, you can put obstacles in your way, which is what people have to do, but um, yeah. it's, yeah, it we've never had access to a drug like that for young men that's so on hand. And everywhere, yeah.
0: And I mean, in in conjunction with everything else that young men are being faced with at the moment, I'm not surprised it's so prevalent. Yeah, um, like a dependency or even addiction, because you mm-hmm. know, young men at the moment are being told like that when they're sexual, they're dangerous, and you know, they're they're to mm-hmm. be put away, and they're not to be, you know, it, but being a young man and being sexual is almost a dangerous thing. There's so, a like, real, yeah. The there's a way serious. To
1: yeah, a real demonization of male sexuality, I think, because, I mean, there is, there is predators and the majority of the predators are men, but it is a small proportion of men that commit those crimes. It's not all men that will, you know, yeah, use violence and manipulation and things like that to achieve sexual aims. But there is, I think the, a lot of our societies focus on sexual taboos and on, um, sexual misconduct definitely falls on young men's heads. And I mean, with social media and stuff like that, there's, you know, you don't want to make mistakes with women because there's such a chance that that could be, you know, recorded. And if you're a young guy, you're going to suck at talking to women. <laughs> you're just going to be so <laughs> yeah. bad at it for quite a long time. So
0: yeah, it is a bit of a learning I think curve. as well, like it's a combination of things, but I think, I don't know if it's maybe in Ireland, I've found Mm -hmm. that men and women, when they don't go to school in a mixed school, they're less Mm -hmm. able to deal with the opposite sex. Like I went to an all girls school and I did not know how to cope with or talk to men in like a a Uh platonic way. I had no idea what that Uh meant to even be you know, That's in a platonic relationship with a man. Like, I didn't know how to go about that because it wasn't a thing. Like, it wasn't mm-hmm. really ingrained in my development or my life yeah. um as a majority. So, like, it was really strange learning to have those boundaries in a relationship with a man mm-hmm. but also be vulnerable, if that makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: it's a, Like, it's a very... It was something I had to develop. To ta- yeah, I mean, because. so
1: if you're thinking that because in an all girls school, you're more like it's you, you don't have those daily interactions with guys. So it's more of a novelty. Yeah, you're you're not in
0: close proximity. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're not really involved in just your everyday life. That's I have kind friends of, that, that
1: as- went to all boys schools that have the same, that say the same about all boys schools, that you're kind of then just a bit awkward with women and not exposed to them. And that it's actually yeah, very difficult to, to get over that
0: step. Yeah, uh, and I, no, I totally agree. And I also think the balance is way off. Like if you're in a yeah. school with just women, mm-hmm. the amount of female energy is just going to be way too much. There's a reason that mm-hmm. men and women, you know, are around together because we need each other to balance ourselves mm-hmm. out. Like, yeah. And you see... I mean, in, in all like boys' schools as, as well, like better. people are
1: they're wrecking the place like people are pooping on the walls yeah. there's stuff's on fire <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: stuff's on fire people are <laughs> yeah. chairs. Like it's nobody has bloody. pants on
1: it's just like what's happening <laughs> yeah. where's this going and then in all girls
0: schools they're <laughs> bitching to fuck about each other like it's just
1: <laughs> yeah, I've had yeah. a few jobs like that before, where it's been all women. I'm just kind of like the token guy to go around and be told who somebody <laughs> hates. And it's like, oh, you won't believe what she said, or this is going to be. You're oh, like, oh. <laughs> everybody's I don't know, and I mean like,
0: it's just when things get off balance. When there's too mm. much of anything, it's bad, and it really shows. Yeah, it obviously shows then in everybody's ability to deal with each other.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think we're so dreadfully misinformed as young men, how to deal with women. Like there's no, absolutely no training for it. And that's when you get young guys that actually offend women and that actually, you know, start acting like dickheads and stuff because they think that's what they're supposed to do or that that works or there's, you end up with this kind of folk culture. I mean, that the, what is it? The manosphere is pretty big online. And there's some dudes that I'd be into, like there was a lot, of a while I got into kind of pickup artists because I thought it was really interesting how some of them just realized that it was actually easier to make guys that were attractive to women than to teach them all these lies and moves and stuff. So they actually just started making men that were more connected to their bodies, that had their lives in order, that had goals, that weren't afraid to actually talk to women. And that understood yeah. the differences between men and women, which allowed them to have better interactions. Yeah. I thought it was but genius not to, be I
0: to be like, it.
1: I know it, there's it's skills we should have automatically, but we're so, maybe it is the digital world, but we're so able to avoid the opposite sex or to just, you know, replace them with digital women that, um, you can end up yeah. with no, no real experience in that area.
0: I think it also though it comes down to the issues within yourself like that's Mm -hmm. where it all starts I don't think you know it just you're a fully formed well-developed person you go into society and you just have a lack of training I think it's also to do with you know the issues that you have yourself Mm -hmm. and having no idea how to cope with those integrate Mm -hmm. that into your life and society you know it's just I don't know without taking that real victim mentality I feel like we've just got a a bad paper round
1: yeah oh absolutely I mean a lot of young guys uh, can become very resentful of women that's something that really I try and emphasize in any of my articles on women and stuff that that's just the wrong path man that's the dark side there is that weird kind of element on the internet that can be very like you know bitter about women and very judgmental and it's just such really bad energy like it's the worst thing you can do because also women are never going to be attracted to a guy that doesn't like them or that's afraid of them. Yeah. I mean if you get those vibes right away that's that's a person you stay away from obviously because yeah. there's something weird going on. So as a guy learning to understand women and appreciate them not in a sense that you need to be like you know this weird kind of feminism where you need to be terrified of women or something. You just need to actually yeah. have... You know, a connection with them to appreciate them and to love women, I think, is the start of having better relationships with them.
0: Yeah. For me. Yeah. I think the appreciation of the difference between men and women, not yeah. this, you know, mm-hmm. oh, chronic equality thing, where it's yeah. like it, it, it just loves to step over the fact that we need to be different, mm-hmm. um, that the difference is a great necessity for each yeah. other and our society.
1: And um, complementary. So being
0: secure enough. Yeah, exactly. It's very complementary whenever you're secure enough in yourself to mm-hmm. appreciate the difference, you know, yeah. and allow that into your life. Yeah. But it's, it's easier said than done when you're dealing with a rake mm. of issues yourself, you know, like yeah. navigating yeah. relationships with others is... Navigating. I think
1: for young, yeah, absolutely. Human relationships are very complicated. And because of the things we've been talking about as well, we're not as experienced in them as other generations, but also because of the collapse of um, traditional norms in relationships, we're all kind of confused about what relationships are as well. It's kind of like you get into them. How does it work? Where does it go? What's the path of it? And that kind of I think that level of complexity about relationships can kind of turn people off. It you might as well just stay with something easy, friends of benefits or, you know, just in your room on Pornhub 24 hours because (laughs) it's just so complicated. You're like, why would I take that on?
0: Yeah. And it's a massive risk. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, you're making yourself very vulnerable for something that for whatever reason you might not really be sure about like, because... in this day and age everything's instant gratification like it's literally a buffet of people you can go on to tinder you can go on to any
1: of the like i was on that (laughs) collecting (laughs) women like pokemon cards where you're trying to you've got like oh i've got sandra on tuesday and then it'll be yeah you're just kind of
0: having to sit you down and like, (laughs) make a fucking choice like we're not doing this this is not us i
1: know it's it's really superficial isn't it in terms of but it's so I mean the technology fosters that mentality, and also the yeah. the temporary nature of a lot of the stuff that we do, like I suppose I've lived and I've moved around a bit in the last while. You're also like not sure how long you're gonna be somewhere or whether you're gonna go somewhere else, and it can kind of create this restlessness, and relationships require commitment. I think there's certain games you don't get to play unless you're all in is what Jordan Peterson said, which I thought was really potent advice yeah, it's like sure. maybe you don't get the relationship until you're actually in the relationship maybe you don't get to just mess around and have the relationship that was something that I really I don't think
0: you do um, and yeah. that's my experience anyway mm-hmm. I really don't think you do like you don't get the essence of the relationship until you jump in head first and you yeah. just you, you know you're just there no matter what's happening do you know like obviously yeah. within reason but yeah Like you're making that commitment. You don't get all of the great things that
1: come with that. Yeah. Yeah, you don't. And you're, you kind of, sometimes you don't, you don't really know that as well. If you're always staying kind of in the shallow end of relationships all the time, it's very easy to get, you know, just to take them lightly or to say that it doesn't matter. And if you haven't actually gone further with it, then, then you might've, um, so, I mean, yeah. in terms of that, I want to ask you, I mean, with kids and stuff, do you want to have kids someday? Because I know with a lot of young women, there's this a big dilemma kind of going on.
0: Yeah, I definitely want to have kids. Um, I want to have at least three kids. Yeah. Like I want a whole big rake, a minivan full <laughs> of kids. Like, <laughs> yeah. no, Just a no. load of rugrats. <laughs> yeah yeah yep. what was that uh, what was that movie where your man had like 15 kids
1: cheaper by the oh, dozen gonna
0: yeah <laughs> yeah
1: he's no, got no.
0: um
1: 15 of them
0: <laughs> yeah he literally had like a van full of kids no i yeah i definitely want kids um i just i think there's a certain amount of life and learning and development that i can offer myself um before i need like divine intervention if that makes sense Yeah, And I just feel like I can only bring myself so far and then the kids will do the rest.
1: Wow. That's deep.
0: That's really deep. Yeah. But that's only come from minding kids as well, because Mm -hmm. when I started off minding them about six months ago, I went in and I was minding two families. So five young boys. And to begin with. I had no idea how to relate to kids. Like, Mm -hmm. if I I met your little brother or something, I'd be like, oh, what's up? (laughs) Shaking their hands. I wouldn't have a clue. Yeah, like, (laughs) how do you do, sir? Like, um, (laughs) I would not know how to deal with that. And it just, dealing with kids every day, you have to show up Mm -hmm. and be real. Like, you can't, there's no bullshit with kids. They just see straight through you. You also have to be, you can't be, like, in any way inadequate they yeah. need you you can't so fail you cannot fail like there's just no no room for it and mm. things that you wouldn't think that you were worthy of doing for yourself yeah.
1: you
0: know that things that you couldn't justify doing for yourself or making the effort Yeah, it's it's endlessly justifiable for the kids yeah. like you, they need mm. you they're these little people that are independent yeah. and you don't have a choice so, yeah
1: it, might, it sounds like as well it's kind of that experience where it's like if you're you're trying to solve a problem for yourself or something and then you go and you have to do something bigger in your job and then when you come back to your own problems, they seem smaller. It's like yeah. such a big, almost like an apprenticeship in in how to be an adult comes along when you yeah. have kids because you got to teach another person how to, you know, how we do it, how the whole thing works.
0: Yeah. And you get to watch it play out as well. It's almost, mm. it's, it's weird. It's almost like you kind of get to be this higher self type of thing. Yeah. I feel like I'm that's watching myself learn how to take care of myself, even though wow. I'm teaching these kids. And like, I started off not being able to take care of myself. So yeah. it was like, yeah. I'm such a fake, like I have this imposter syndrome.
1: <laughs> imposter like, syndrome. What am I doing? Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. But sure and they don't know. <laughs> oh, they definitely did. Like, no, they did. But th- that's yeah. the really interesting thing is like, as I'm teaching them to take care of themselves, yeah. I'm learning to take care of myself. Yeah. Um, That's so always something people like say,
1: Yeah, present. that you learn. You learn from the kids as much as you teach oh, them.
0: Like anything I've taught them is, is minute in comparison yeah. to what they've taught me.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and without even trying, which is the really amazing thing, like they're just,
1: mm-hmm. I
0: don't know, there's something just about kids being. that just bring you back to what actually matters in life. You know, doing the things you love, trying to learn a bit, getting outside, getting fresh air, like eating, like you, even just small things where I wouldn't have made an effort to like eat good food or whatever. And every time I feed them, I'm thinking about what I'm giving them and what they should be eating. And then you start to approach your own diet the same way. And like, you know, just your viewpoint changes because you go into that caregiver role. It sounds like it really, it really, it really
1: grounds you like it, it grounds yeah. you in your life to in a way that other things can't that's what I learned about commitment yeah that's what I've learned about commitment to things is I think in the last article that I wrote I was writing about commitment that the real indecision is before is the in-between bit once you make the sacrifice once you make the decision it's easy after that it's a lot easier to To commit, once you've committed, it's a very different world. And that's kind of what we're talking about with relationships that it's the in between bit, the hesitation that you really start to suffer a lot. There's much more to be learned on the other side, I think, of the sacrifice. Do you think um, a lot of your friends would have the same ambitions as you to have children and stuff? Because a lot of women that I talk to, it's very mixed. Um, A lot say they never want to have kids, some do. And um, it seems to be pretty
0: 50-50. I think, yeah, I think most of them do. But I think it also comes down to a combination of things.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I can only obviously speak for myself personally, but yeah. it's very dependent on the times that we're living yeah. and our experience at the moment. Like yeah. our willingness or desire to bring children into the world often relies upon us seeing the world as a worthy place to have kids in and like yep. a safe place to do so. Yep. So if the world is crumbling and everything is going to shit and we're in lockdown number three. Like I'm not bringing any more life into <laughs> this world. Yeah, like you start we're start suffering enough.
1: Your compass you know? is going, no thanks. I know you get people, yeah. a lot of people saying that about climate change and stuff that we're all going to get vasectomies for our future children so they don't exist. But I just, yeah. I, I think there's something so magical about children and the fact that you get to yeah. do it is a big part of life I think it's something that I really I, yeah. I think is a, a part of the package
0: and I, I I feel really lucky at the moment that I get the best of them and then I get to give them back yeah like yeah, yeah I true. say that with all the love in the world for <laughs> yeah like, it really allows you to co- go back to them the next day and i spend maybe five six seven hours with them and i've regained my patience my energy i've had time apart so i get to go in there and give them the best that i can and mm-hmm. they're not annoyed that i'm always in their space either so yeah
1: you, know you can become I mean? so like, resentful I... of your parents isn't it where you just see them all yeah. the time and you're they just become <laughs> the ones that have to give out you and,
0: oh, like you're always in my gap like go away. yeah like, what do you do yeah. and they're
1: like we live here we pay all the bills
0: yeah You'd be dead like, if I wasn't literally for us. keep you alive like, you're like yeah oh,
1: get alive. out of here we want the babysitter woo <laughs>
0: yeah the babysitter so, comes in and gives you crisps and chocolate and <laughs> you <know>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: you get all the good stuff um, yeah and yeah i'm trying to think about I mean, for young women, it's such a different bag. And maybe what we're talking about with the differences with young men as well, I think young women have to grow up a lot more because they do have that possibility, even with birth control and things like that. I mean, if you mess that up, you know, you could have a baby. That's kind of the way she goes. So I think that kind of responsibility for women makes them think about the future a lot more, especially because, you know, you'd. If you're having a family, you kind of have to do it before you're forty, before you're thirty-five, and whereas young yeah, men we're have on the this
0: clock, essentially,
1: exactly, we have a bit more. I suppose psychologically, I think we can choose to mess around a bit more, or to feel like, you know, we're not under pressure. Um,
0: yeah, I I think that also comes down to though how rapid a young woman's development actually is, yeah. and also kind of how soon we're we're thrown out of the cough like if that makes sense. Yep. Um mm-hmm. I don't feel like I was babied really for as mm-hmm. long as maybe some of my male counterparts would have been. Like
1: Oh, so this is this time... is what this podcast is gonna be now. You're calling me out. You're saying on well, the favourite on the favourite <laughs> son. <laughs>
0: Uh, I wouldn't say favour, I wouldn't wish for yeah. what you got now. Well,
1: I definitely, man, I just tried not to take any responsibility for anything. I remember I convinced mom that I couldn't sweep one time, that I didn't know oh how my god! and completely I got away trying with I
0: was that to someone the other day and was like, he honestly learned how not to sweep to get out of it.
1: The artful dodger. I, yeah, I would learn how not to do things so I didn't have to do them yeah. willfully. But
0: mom also would just like... She was so efficient at doing things that she couldn't possibly deal with the fact that you were so incapable. She was like, <laughs> Yeah, get out I know. Of my it's side. actually
1: it's not a great way You're to do it. You're a waste stuff, of sperm. Like Yeah. <laughs> I guess i get to go play more video games and scuttle off. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, I think the level uh, this was something I was talking about with James as well, briefly. The level of incubancy for human beings now is so long that it's it's actually yeah. possible to remain completely incompetent till probably the age of in your early twenties, <laughs> which is
0: I'm actually not... going to push that further and say fifties, <laughs> fifties 50s, like 50s possibly. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: and I feel like more so for men, and, and that's mm-hmm. not
1: to There's blame such, men. Such a deficit of experience, though. I mean, I've learned so much from yeah. all the jobs that I did, like all the working on building sites, working in restaurants. All of the things yeah. that I had to do there and for some people that's absent like there's people I know that have gone to college and never had another job at all so yeah, you're missing yeah. a huge chunk of just your even coordination like there's so many micro Practical routines
0: experience like
1: yeah and I really wonder you know that can be I mean that can increase anxiety as well and other mental health problems because yeah. you actually feel like you're not capable of handling life. I mean, everything is overwhelming then because you have such little. Like what you're talking about with the children is kind of an experience that weathers you a bit. It puts things in perspective. Those harsher yeah. experiences are those kind of larger experiences where you you have to take on responsibility for something. Actually, civilize you in a sense. They make it easier for you to to handle other problems of the same magnitude. So if you have young people that don't have to do, that don't have to face any of these problems until they're in their early twenties, when the time comes, they're going to seem massive in, in proportion to what they have been doing. And academia just is no good. It, it doesn't, it doesn't have that effect because it's not difficult enough. I think
0: well, it's the equivalent to like living your life through theory. Like you're literally like yeah. learning from the book and never yeah. having any practical experience and no real real, like thinking about doing it but not actually doing it Mm -hmm. so you know that breeds anxiety in itself like
1: the yeah just the abstract nature of a thinking all the time everything's future also the pressure of going i mean going to school going to college doing a master's you have this like potential there that's massive but oftentimes it's not paying off these days. Like you can do a master's and just have to work a shit job anyway. So you have like this kind of huge buildup and then you just fall off the end of the ramp and you just go, oh, okay, that actually wasn't... You know,
0: it's that build necessary. up accompanied with the "you can do whatever you want, you're absolutely fantastic, and you deserve the <laughs> yeah. world," and then you arrive there, and you're like, "This is a shit show." I know the I the whole
1: there. school model of you're special, and you're great, and you're the best, and you can be anybody, yeah. and then you realize you're fucking barely qualified to be a barista, and you're twenty three, and you're like, <laughs> <"Ugh>. "Uh <Uh-oh. laughs> oh,
0: should have thought about gosh. this one." <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's not even really your fault no it's it's some bad ideas man
1: very bad ideas that the coddling of the american mind by jonathan height really delves into that in detail which is really and also colleges becoming businesses like colleges are completely corporatized now so they're they're not going to students are customers so the customer is always going to be right there they're not actually it's not a system of discipline anymore it's a service so mm. the problem is when you're paying for a service, it has to be somewhat pleasant. When it really shouldn't yeah. be that pleasant, it should be difficult enough to, you know, at work as an apprenticeship into adulthood. But it doesn't yeah. fill that role anymore.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. No, what with your degree, customers
0: always right, sort of a buzz.
1: Exactly. I I really think that's going to be the downfall of modern education. That and I mean. obviously online like if you're going to teach classes online why wouldn't people just go to online universities that are a quarter of the price if even i I mean
0: but it's like it's it's so inadequate it's unbelievable like i I just because half of going to college and university and everything is the social side of it aspect yeah Mm because that's also it's it's vital for your development and and Mm
1: -hmm.
0: kind of weathering you in a sense that you come out of there a, a well-rounded individual ready to work. I mean, I don't think sitting, watching videos or lectures online talking <laughs> to anybody for four years is going to to you properly. No,
1: no, I, I don't think so either. It's quite, it's mm-hmm. going to be very different. I suspect at some point what's going to happen is there'll be enough things online, enough lectures will be done that people will actually just be able to synthesize college courses from enough YouTube videos. And you'll just, like, you won't actually need the accreditation because a lot of companies are starting universities like McDonald's has a university, Apple does, Microsoft, they're starting their own universities because they're like, well, we're training people to do these jobs. Why are we getting college students who are kind of being taught to do it our way, but actually aren't and aren't up to date and aren't actually, I mean, the time it takes to change curriculums and stuff like that is not fast Mm -hmm. enough for the changes that are occurring in the marketplace. Yeah. So I, yeah, I see traditional education being in a fair amount of trouble if things continue the way they are. But with your degree in psychology, I mean, a lot, a lot of people I know that did psychology are come to a juncture after it and are like, you have to go on and do more or, you know, it's kind of, did you find it useful? Was it something you'd do again?
0: Yeah, well, I definitely found it useful because it was probably the first time in my education that I excelled at anything or felt like I was capable of learning and retaining information or like mm-hmm. being proactive with that because mm-hmm. like being dyslexic, I never did well in school and I, I always felt really stupid, even though I knew I wasn't. And yeah, um, It's was just the way I, I learn and re- retain and, and recall information. Mm-hmm. So getting into college and kind of being immersed in a subject that I really enjoyed allowed me to understand myself enough to actually learn and and reap the benefits of that
1: yeah Um, it's something you're very good at as well I mean you have a real flair for (laughs) people and for relationships and for offering really good advice to people I know you've always um, been great counsel for myself
0: that's got you really far hasn't it
1: (laughs) (laughs) Certainly. I mean, well, yeah, better probably could have been worse. (laughs) Um, No, no,
0: no. Yeah. Appreciate that.
1: Is it something I I know you were also thinking about a combination of interior design and psychology, which I thought was really interesting.
0: Yeah. See, I've I've always been really interested in interior design. I think because I'm so affected by my environment, like I'm a very sensitive person and not just in terms of um you know emotion it's also just like light and color and
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know the layout of rooms and stuff I've always felt really affected by it so it was always yep. a large part of my life like I'd I'd get up in the middle of the night like as a child and rearrange my room because it was yeah. little anxiety like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mom just would just... come in in the morning and she'd be like why the fuck is your bed over the other side of the room <laughs> like oh don't ask it it's like better dying. this way <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's better this way yeah um, um, but I, I suppose it was always really important to me and it, it bled into my mental health a lot. So there was yeah. al- always a connection there for yeah. me between the psychology and the interior design.
1: Um, and yeah, I was that's really awesome. interested mm. in
0: doing something with it.
1: Yeah. Cause that's the JP thing, you know, clean your room before you do anything else. That's yeah. something I really try to adhere to as much as possible. Cause the way my brain works, I'll immediately go to like. You know, existential crisis right away when actually it's just that my room's too messy and I haven't bothered to clean it. I'm so yeah. impractical by nature. I'm like real, <laughs> just real abstract and shit. And I'll just be like, you know, something's going on with the universe rather than my fucking smelly trousers on the floor. So <laughs> I always use that one to like come back to level, to be like, concentrate on what's nearby. And we spend all of our time in our rooms now I mean this room is like kind of a prison cell also kind of you know your house basically oh my
0: god I can't even describe to you like yesterday I was like paralyzed with this psychological claustrophobia I I couldn't even
1: the walls felt like
0: I couldn't move and I I was like oh my god I need to go for a run or something I like I'm trapped that was that was the feeling yeah um and I wasn't even in my room. <laughs> I was like moving around the house.
1: You were, like in the garden. Oh. Or
0: something. <laughs> Literally, like outside in the park. I move. <laughs> it is,
1: it's is—it's horrendous, man. I don't know how many times I've just been like sitting on my phone on my bed and then just l- lie back, just being like, this is a prison.
0: <laughs> Literally. I'm just stuck here. But it's, it's such a, and I feel like you get dragged into that watching the news and being on social media and, and your brain convinces you, you can't move. Um, <laughs> yeah, you just
1: become paralyzed basically from
0: literally it's locked. like, Oh fuck. Like, you know, i I've, I've, I just, everything is stuck. I can't move. Yeah. But then when you, I made an effort to reconnect myself like to reality today. <laughs> it was like, yeah, move around, like remind yourself that you're actually not trapped. Um. And I feel so much better, but it really makes me feel for animals that are trapped in zoos. Like, oh, I literally stop, man.
1: We need to ban zoos after this. <laughs> I've never yeah, like, I'm never gone back to one again. They're
0: in lockdown for their whole lives. Like, yeah. I would kill myself. Oh,
1: <laughs> man, I remember going to that zoo in Berlin and the polar bear was like living on this just sheath of rock and he was all mangy and oh, yellow. God. Oh, man. Oh, Not good. <laughs> Didn't, that's
0: us, 46 years into lockdown,
1: like, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, oh my God.
0: Yeah. Um, no,
1: I actually
0: couldn't cope, like I just, I know, you know I do, I do you notice yourself doing that? I find myself years.
1: pacing a lot and it's interesting that animals do that, in, they only do that in captivity because you're actually trying to like get your body moving almost or just to keep pace with yeah. your, the inside of your head. It's just easier to yeah. walk around.
0: Just to like, your yourself that you're not trapped in your brain. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's what it Just feels like.
1: Get out of your head for 30 seconds. Oh, man. Yeah. I've Yeah. It's absolutely shite being in your head all the time. It's no way to live. It's something I really learned through martial arts was how important your attention is. Like that. Thinking actually isn't the normal state of things. The normal state of things should be paying attention. If you can get past all the thoughts in your head to pay attention to your body and to what's going on around you, you're in, Mm. you're actually in the right place. You're going to feel a lot more meaningful. And I mean, it's not that you can just pay attention to anything, but the constant cloud of thoughts um, comes between you and the good stuff. It really, yeah. it's something I suffer from horribly overthinking and sometimes just waking up and there's already this second podcast oh. going on in my brain. <laughs> and you're just like, I've been <laughs> awake too. for three seconds, inner
0: monologue,
1: inner monologue to death,
0: yeah.
1: nonstop. Yeah. Um, yeah, the inner monologue. That's I also, something that
0: working with mm-hmm. kids has helped for me.
1: Yeah, because there's a lot going um, on
0: because your focus is is elsewhere like it's yeah. it's on managing everything that's happening to you right now as opposed to what's going to happen or what has mm-hmm. happened um yeah. and I think it's that's a routine you have to get into because it's almost like rewiring your brain to focus yeah. on different things mm-hmm.
1: um we're tremendously social so, yeah. as well so i mean all the time spent on your own um What There's two kinds of thinking that Carl Jung makes distinctions in, which is direct thinking and indirect thinking. And direct thinking is actually when you're thinking in words. So it's that inner monologue. And that's actually preparation for speaking. So when you think in words in your head, the minute muscles in your throat actually contract and expand as if you were speaking. So uh, there's this device you can get that you wear on your jaw for people who have had strokes and you can hear their thoughts out loud because wow. their voice box and their jaw vibrates when they're thinking in their heads yeah. and this translates it out loud. So if you're thinking in your head a lot, um, it's because you have things, you're practicing for speaking essentially. So you're not actually speaking enough. You're just, yeah. it's, it's all built up inside of you. One way to deal with it is to write it down. Another ways to have a conversation with somebody, but obviously people aren't on hand all the time at the moment. So uh, writing or exercise are great ways to get it because it's just energy. It, it re- it's just energy that's built up in your mind it, it that you're energy. using to practice for arguments or for conversations or something.
0: And it's also, I, I made this mistake quite a few years ago uh, because I was quite depressed, of thinking that I wasn't an energetic person
1: yeah. Because I,
0: yeah. I felt so flat that yeah. I really didn't make out a lot of energy, but all the energy was being used up as, you know, in, a, in an anxious manner. Yeah, um, yeah. And I really had to learn to force myself to do things and use mm-hmm. up that energy yeah. so that I would go to bed at a certain time and it wouldn't come out. It wouldn't manifest as anxiety.
1: Yeah. You wouldn't um, get the, yeah. The later but you effects. wouldn't,
0: you wouldn't know that if you felt like flat and depressed all the time because you don't feel like you have energy. Exactly. Um,
1: and th- that's the weird paradox is that activity actually generates energy. I mean, activity yeah. generates motivation and the more you withdraw, the worse you'll feel. It's always that yeah. kind of, I mean, it, it can become overpowering where you feel like you're, you know, moving through gravy and you're completely, you know, stunned. Um, yeah. in people with extreme depression, that would be, you know, it's like the weight of the world has just fallen on you very hard to get moving again but it it is one of the it's the only option it is and I've
0: I've only ever experienced uh depression in conjunction with anxiety so that like flatness always came with this like buzzing in my head like it wasn't like I just felt flat and didn't care about anything Mm -hmm. I I felt like I didn't care about anything but my Mm -hmm. inner monologue said otherwise so like this yeah. I'm too depressed to do anything about it, but I'm really anxious about the fact that I'm not doing anything about it.
1: Oh God, that's, that's yeah. the double, isn't it?
0: really, literally like a double-edged sword. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's like, oh fuck.
1: The worst of both worlds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get the same. I really just, I suppose learning, um, something that I've learned in the last few years since going back to training heavily and stuff, probably when I was like 22, mm. 23, was the importance of activity how you know the activity that you don't use in your day manifests in your mind as bullshit and it will just drive you insane like it just you can kind of convince yourself that you're a low energy person or that you don't need to do those things or anything but if you're finding that chaotic mind that monkey mind that's just like going crazy really Mm -hmm. the best way to deal with it is exercise man just to the inner monologue disappears. Like if you do two hours of intense training, there's no inner monologue. Mm-hmm. You're just like flat, just like gone.
0: Yeah, I've, I, I found that as well, but I, I also struggled with exercising mm-hmm. at that intensity because I do have some health issues. Yeah. So I have to kind Going of off. think my way around that. I, could do, mm-hmm. I can do a certain amount of exercise and yeah. I still do it and it, it does help. But I found also picking things that you're going to do with your day, justifying them to yourself and following through with them.
1: Oh, you know, nice. Things
0: that you yeah. think are worth doing and you, yeah. and you do them because they're worth doing. So if it's not exercise, yeah. whatever it is, say it's like, I don't know, you love speed walking, like you go and speed yeah. walk around your local park, like yeah. 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 whatever it is, even if someone else thinks it's so weird, if it, you can justify it to yourself and it uses up energy in a positive manner. Doesn't then have do to it. be heavy exercise. That's no, that true.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, have I to, suppose it has to be worth been, it. Yeah, totally. I would have been a bit more extreme in the case that if you are training for fights and stuff like that, obviously, but mm. it does create a certain inner peace. But exactly what you are saying is, you know, pick an activity and do it. And that's interesting. You said, like, would you decide why you are doing it? Would you say to yourself, like, yeah, you know, this is what I am going to do, and this is why I am doing it. And then you go, you have that kind of plan. In your head.
0: Well, I can't follow through unless I mm. have a reason why I'm doing it. And that's yeah. why I always struggled with meeting responsibility that I didn't understand why I had to do it. Yeah. But that made sense because I just couldn't justify it to myself. And I was like, I don't want to do it. And there's no reason to do it. So I'm not doing it. Yeah. But then I yeah. got older and I had more control over where my life went and the things that I did. And I could justify my decisions and my routines. And mm-hmm. it really helped me follow through with all of that stuff. That's amazing.
1: That's the exact same as me um, in that I couldn't justify taking on responsibility when I had the option not to. It was the more independent I became, the more I could take on responsibility. Yeah. While I was kind of, anytime I had an option not to, I would have ran away. But then I suppose when you learn the advantages of taking on responsibility for stuff, you're more likely to do it. I think. And yeah, that's Yeah, I that... feel
0: like there's, there's a difference in choosing to take on the responsibility and it being bestowed upon you. Like, yeah. I, I always really resented the fact that other people chose what my responsibilities were. And then I was scrutinized for not meeting them. It yeah. It was like, well, I never chose that for myself. Um, yeah,
1: I didn't want to do that. So now
0: that I've chosen them, I've taken the responsibility and I've justified meeting that responsibility. Mm-hmm. That could sound like insane, but mm-hmm. that's how my brain works at the moment yeah
1: no I think it makes a lot of sense to be honest I'd be kind of the same way that I'm I was maybe just a bit rebellious and didn't really want to do but also there isn't a whole lot of I don't know we're so it's such a it's really the curse of our success isn't it as a society that there's so much stuff we're absolved of doing and we just get to fritter away time whereby Mm -hmm. it's actually good sometimes to have things that you have to do I do wonder like if if the robots come in and we get automation and nobody has to work anymore I'd say we'd all go insane to be perfectly oh honest oh my
0: god we I think we'll we'd tear all the just start off honestly
1: I think we'll all lose our minds and just
0: yeah because we're be built to you know meet our goals and we get our positive emotion through that like if we're not yeah. doing anything there's no we're positive creatures, creatures of burden we yeah. really
1: need uh you want to You just need to feel like you're contributing as well, I think, to that you're part of something larger than yourself that has some significance. Yeah. Um, Yeah, It's an interesting thing I've been talking about with people. I mean, I'm trying to do this thing at the moment to get these um, questions that'll help people kind of figure out what they want to do with their lives or figure out their future. Something similar to the self-authoring program, but a bit more simple. Just using basic story structure stuff that I know. And a big thing is like, what's a problem that you want to solve? And that's something that you wouldn't necessarily think about a lot, but Mm. if the difference between a problem that is, has a personal significance to you and just a problem is the difference really between meaning and just duty. If it's something that actually you feel very deeply about, you're going to be a lot more energized to, to work at it. And it's. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, to change the world, but you can do it in a small sense. Like I I have a big thing about loneliness. So working with people and working with even when I was teaching kids and stuff or um doing work with older people, it's very, very rewarding because you're dealing with that problem on within your own life on a a practical level rather than in a very abstract way. So
0: yeah,
1: I think having a pro- a personal problem that you're working on um, as a cause for yourself can generate a lot of meaning in your day to day life because a lot of the jobs we have to do are very specialist, very weird, very digital, quite you know they're they're not always what people want to be doing these days, and they're probably going to get weirder as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, they probably are. I mean. Uh- I think the only way like I really figured out where I wanted to go was just mm-hmm. reverting back to well what am I naturally attracted to? What do I love? Like yep. where where does my mind wander when I let it? Um mm-hmm. you know, like what would I be happy to do even just for now? Like my starting point was okay, let me go where I love. Yep. Um, work with what I love and then I just I just had this feeling that it would lead me to where I needed to be and it would tell me what I needed to tell and maybe yeah. that's really wishy-washy but I I trust my intuition um,
1: that's yeah well there's a lot of calculations that go on in your intuition and in your yeah I mean that um sense of being in the right place and you're kind of following your natural instincts to where you should be. There's a lot of unconscious calculations going on that you're not entirely aware of. And Carl Jung had an interesting idea that what you paid attention to, what your attention was drawn towards, was actually your future self trying to call um, your potential into existence. Yeah. So whatever you're interested in most is really where your most potential is. It It's kind of yeah. a a compass towards what you're you could be yeah I'm worth following it was
0: also it was that but it was it was also my willingness to just let go and be okay with just doing something I loved for a year yeah like I wasn't trying to build a future I was just trying to enjoy the days I was having presently yeah Um, yeah. and I feel like that's a pretty good way to pave Mm -hmm. your future as well I mean,
1: yeah.
0: how often do you do things you love that amount to nothing? You still mm-hmm. enjoy what you're doing. So it <laughs> amounts to something. Well, you, you forget know?
1: that I'm a writer. So most of what I do.
0: Yes. But <laughs> is... You get to do what you love all the time and you still love it. So.
1: Yes, that's true.
0: I, I don't think well, that's love not it. amounting to anything.
1: No, no. I mean, I, there's a difference between, I suppose, material success and living a life that feels like it matters to you. And also, I mean, looking back that you're doing things that would, that you'll be proud of and that you'll feel like, oh yeah, that was, you know, I was really pushing myself to the limit there. That was me going out to try something different, something you'll reflect on kindly.
0: Yeah. And it it was really strange because I was doing my absolute best and and not being able to gauge whether that was enough for the past Mm -hmm. like six months or so. Yeah. And then it got to about Christmas time, and I had this like onslaught of positive feedback from both of the families that I was working for, and like yeah. a massive appreciation for everything I had done. And I yeah. was like really taken aback by how my brain lies to me all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Oh <laughs> yeah, big my, time.
0: My you know my best is actually quite good. Yeah. When I when I'm motivated by the right things, mm-hmm. um, and to try and hold on to that. Yeah, You know, of that idea that not, that I shouldn't always believe my brain <laughs> that, you know, it's more important to just do my best and not worry about whether that's enough. Um, because there's nothing more you can do. It's your best. So why worry about it? Like,
1: Yeah, absolutely. And to have some, I I struggle with that myself because I'm always trying to push myself all the time and go further with things and nothing's ever enough and you almost yeah you know yeah I can ruin things for myself a lot of the time where I don't enjoy it as much as I should the little wins which are oftentimes a lot more important when you look back yeah or as important but the question I'd been meaning to ask you that through that entire time, which I got completely sidetracked with all this <laughs> cool stuff, um, yeah. was what advice would you give to people about creating rooms which can foster mental health at the moment?
0: Oh, okay. Um, the main thing that I find for me is order. Yeah. So figure out What are the things that you need to have out in your room and that you, you know, it doesn't bother you to look at them? Mm -hmm. Like you could sit and look at them all day and it wouldn't cause you any negative emotion. And what are the things that you need to have out in your room like that you use regularly? Mm -hmm. Um, And that will probably be a small amount of things if you're pretty rigorous about that.
1: So you'd recommend putting stuff away that you don't use all of the time? So
0: clear it. First, clear out your room.
1: Yeah,
0: um, get rid of anything that you don't actually need, and be cutthroat about it.
1: Yeah, um, oh, I need because to because you're that cleansing so much. your
0: space, and it's it's cathartic. So yeah. not only are you ridding yourself of a load of shit you don't need, but there's an emotion emotional cleansing that happens with that.
1: Certainly, um, yeah.
0: And it's less stressful to look at um, less stuff in your room, so it's a win win. Get rid of your shit and then <laughs> yeah. keep it tidy. Yeah, literally. Tidy and would you like room.
1: removing obstacles and stuff? So, like in terms of, I was about to say feng shui there, but um, <laughs> the, just the organization of the room, like having stuff, um, so that you can move around it. Is it?
0: Yeah. So, what you also need to do is figure out what you want most mm-hmm. from from your room. From so, room. if you're in yeah. your room for working as well and you're in your room for sleeping, you kind of need to have sections where those things happen. Yeah. that makes sense. So if mm-hmm. you can have your workspace in, in a space where there's light and, you know, it's, it's not like there's shit everywhere and it, it's not an easy space to sit in and concentrate, but you have to cater the space that you're in to what you want to do in that
1: To space. the purpose.
0: Yeah. So create mm-hmm. a space that brings out in you what you need while you're in that space
1: oh Um, yeah that's awesome and I'm always so jealous of people that have like these optimized apartments that are like (laughs) you go in (laughs) and they're like this is to foster my ideas in this space and everything you're like oh that's my room just like smells like socks and
0: (laughs) but I feel like if you if you had somebody come in and they went through colors and layouts and even materials of things and you know where you get your light from even having plants in your room can help because it changes the amount of oxygen i would like pay just... good
1: money for that i'm i mean you're dyslexic for words i'm dyslexic for interior design i have well,
0: hit me the fuck up i will do that shit for you <laughs>
1: no eye for it i just like paint the walls beige i'll i get yeah. a chair sounds good <laughs> i have no no
0: it, it's not I don't British know, it's just design abilities a, it's my language um but yeah, it's I, I feel like I skill. learned that because I need it so badly yeah because I'm so affected by yeah. my environment
1: that's how you learn the best stuff a lot of the time and I wanted to ask yeah. you you know what uh, is the most important lesson that you learn from psychology about yourself
0: oh my god
1: it's a big one right um
0: now. Do you mean in terms of being in college or the application of my learning?
1: And the application of your learning. Say even just that you learned that, not necessarily about yourself, but a tool that you learned during that time that really changed things for you, Some that was able to
0: Ooh.
1: unlock the door Probably for you. Probably
0: that I'm not stupid, like... <laughs> yeah, I think that is. That's... It sounds so silly because I know I'm not stupid, mm-hmm. but when you're constantly faced in school with failure, um, and not that I was failing everything, but just in terms of I I know that I'm not. I know that I'm quite smart. Yeah. So absolutely. to fee- to to be told regularly by the things that you're doing that you're not what you think you are. Yeah. um is really really difficult mm-hmm. and no matter how hard I tried uh it just it never really amounted to anything that I wanted it to so yeah. when I got into college um and it was just like it, it it's like everybody started speaking my language I felt like there was just everything was lost in translation for years and I got in there and I was like oh shit like i'm I'm actually not stupid um And that was probably one of the nicest realizations I've had in my education Mm. because it meant that I could go further in my education. Like I, uh, there was times where I thought I'm not smart enough. I'm not going to be able to do a degree. I'm not going to be able to get a master's. And then everyone I would talk to would be like, but sure you're really smart or like, you know, why wouldn't you? And I just couldn't retain information the same way as people. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't recall things like my memory works in a different way. So even just thinking about like the past week, if somebody asks me what I did or what I ate or simple things about certain days, I just go blank. I can't recall those things. But you could say like, I don't know, clouds and I'd be like, oh, yeah, it's the other day, this thing. And it just <laughs> yeah. weird things like
1: uh-huh.
0: ca- cause me to remember things. So it's, it's it was learning how I retain and recall information and the way my associations work, like just getting to know my own brain. uh, And it also seems to be that you were,
1: you were in the right place. So maybe that if you do, you should do something that you're actually have an interest in and are good at, because it'll help you to see yourself in a more positive light than if you're just doing things that you think you should, but that aren't necessarily something that you have that, um, intuitive desire to do
0: yeah and i just feel like you'll always have more fuel for what you're gonna do if you're doing something you love like it'll bring out the best in you and the motivation to do well at that you'll figure things out and you know get around corners you wouldn't have got around because the motivation is there yeah um so yeah and i feel like even more so after finishing college that's really been consolidated for me Mm mm-hmm because life is very different to education. Um,
1: yeah.
0: And you certainly. don't have to be book smarts. You could be street smarts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you certainly can. And these days, man, you can be, you can do anything yourself. The door is wide open. Yeah. And the the keys to success are oftentimes exactly what you've just described there, which is taking a chance, doing what you're really passionate about and sticking to it. There's a real market for that now, which is there hasn't been before. So we're it's an interesting yeah, it time is. for that that kind of philosophy um,
0: I mean, it's all we've got at the moment. <laughs>
1: well, that like, too, man. If your passion is sitting indoors on Instagram
0: <laughs> oh, then you've got no passion at all. Is
1: it yeah, you're it's, Jesus, get out, get outside, maybe. I hate yeah. it but um and yeah if yeah, if you could you go too. back in time to when if you're the same age as the kids you're taking care of, so what was the oldest boy seven? Seven, yeah what would you tell yourself at that age?
0: ooh, that is Jesus, that's a tough question um I don't know. I think I would just really have benefited from somebody that paid as much attention to me as I pay to them, yeah, so somebody that notices what I'm doing and takes the initiative to almost guide me
1: because
0: I always felt as a child that I was the child and the parent essentially Mm -hmm. there was kind of two parts to myself that I I would have to regulate myself all the time and I don't know if that's premature maturity or what that was or trauma or Mm -hmm. um But I always felt as though there was never the space for me to be a kid. So Mm -hmm. to have an adult there that was sort of neutral Mm -hmm. and would allow me to be a kid. Yeah. That would be, that would have been fantastic.
1: Yeah. Do you think, I mean, I think a lot of what happened with um, our generation was that there was this big emphasis on children kind of being these spontaneous things and that you're already something and that you shouldn't direct them too much because that kind of ruins them. But actually I think what I would have benefited from my whole life was more an authority that I could trust that said, you know, this is how you do things. And then let me kind of figure it out. I think yeah. more guidance. Yeah. That would have been good. Yeah.
0: Cause I I think there was this idea that guidance, um, maybe was too, Restricting, yeah. Even though guidance is just sort of a yeah structure that you can put yourself into and move around and see what works. Yeah. But yeah, I just I don't know. There's this idea that it it kills creativity or the natural essence of kids. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't think that that's how it is. Like,
1: I'd probably trade a few pints of creativity for some of that, (laughs) some more of the old discipline. <laughs> it's interesting yeah, I 80, that too you know eighty eight percent of young people now define themselves as creative really yeah, I think it, it I think it's probably something to do with the internet yeah,
0: I don't know. I think as humans we're we're naturally creative because our whole purpose revolves around creating, whether that be life or energy or whatever it is. I think, yeah, but there's different people and
1: different, different sort of temperaments, I think that make the more, some people will be more orderly and stuff like that. And I do wonder, is it maybe technology or that it's just trendy to be creative, but the downside of being creative is you lack stability and oftentimes you'll um, constantly undo yourself and not be satisfied with things or always, you know, creativity has a lot of downsides. It, discipline is necessary for creativity to function properly so
0: yeah I do
1: wonder if yeah that being a load of creatives is probably going to be not so good for us <laughs> might be yeah,
0: yeah. Or maybe it's a bit of a cop-out type thing I, I wouldn't really say that being a creative um, is exclusive to like artists or musicians or any of those things I think people who are quite orderly can be creatives as well because being a creative just means that you create things and everybody does that in their in their lives just in different forms
1: yeah I mean Um, we're fundamentally yeah our imaginations control most of what we do it's always yeah it's yeah our ideas of the future of the past that's all all theoretical and that leads nicely into my final question which is what's next for you
0: um, well, I was going to do my masters this year. Um, but I thought I'm not paying somebody ten grand to sit in my room and you know, not meet anybody and not have any support for a master's and just yeah. you know, drown. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to work for another year. I think I'm gonna continue minding the kids for another year mm. um and save and then I'm going to be applying for a child play therapy or masters so awesome yeah and then I hope maybe from there to go into specifically art therapy and have my own practice at some point but that's the direction I'm aiming in I'm willing to deviate depending on what I come up against but um, well
1: it sounds like it's right up your street and I know you'll definitely benefit a lot of those kids for sure yeah and And the parents I
0: work for actually the mum said to me the other day um, what do you want to do and I told her and she said I think that would be perfect for you Like, I I, 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 really really back that for you which is yeah. nice when you're working with somebody that closely like I'm in her house mm-hmm. every day and I yeah. work with her kids and she's like yep you should work with kids like that's a, it's a massive compliment
1: yep yeah. yeah absolutely well thanks very much for speaking with me today Sheever you've definitely opened up a lot of interesting ideas in my mind and definitely for everybody listening as well. So I'm sure we'll chat again soon. All right. No
0: problem, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having
1: me. Oh, peace. Wow, wasn't that really great? I don't actually know if this is a pre-recorded message, but do you want to support us? Do you want to help the podcast grow and be able to do more stuff and get more awesome guests and more equipment and do loads of cool sound effects like this? Oh, we can't actually because we don't have enough money yet. So go and leave a donation now at the Buy Me A Coffee page. Kick in a few bucks. Doesn't have to be anything too fancy. And let's get super rich off podcasting and I can live in a mansion in Los Angeles. All right. Appreciate it. Boat.